We, we need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Amen. Uh, uh, in this series, um, He Loves Us, I, I, that is the overriding theme. I want everybody to, to leave with every, every time we share something from First John. He loves us. So we want to make sure that you know that God loves you, that Jesus loves you. Uh, he may not love what you're doing, but he loves you. All right? And so he loves us. But today, I want to talk about children, fathers, and young men. That's what I, I titled it. Uh, I'm trying to get better at subjects from the Baptist. have to hang around with the Baptist. Have, the, have great subjects. Yes. In 1 John chapter 2, uh, we'll start at verse 12. John is addressing uh, his letter, this epistle to uh, his flock as a loving parent, giving his assessment of their spiritual state. And uh, I was thinking that today that should be my intent as well, to give uh, sort of an assessment, a brief assessment of our spiritual state. That is, our, our state of being, how we are. Um, he writes and says, I write to you little children. Technion is the Greek word. It means infants or darlings. My little darlings, John speaks so affectionately of the flock. And I can understand that. When I, when, I, when I pray and I think of something coming against you or the enemy coming against you, it breaks my heart. It, it, and whenever you see tears, it's not because I want to go and, re, and resign somewhere. When you see those tears, I, I'm, a lot of times that's a lot, there are a lot of emotions. It's not like uh, Pillsbury Doughboy, you know, tears, all right? And so, uh, but I, I, I want to say that he says to them very affectionately, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And that's all of us who are, have faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, our sins are forgiven. Now, that's a big deal. We sang today that our, our forgiveness was bought, purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood, uh, sangre preciosa, precious blood of Jesus Christ, not just blood. In verse 13, he goes on to say, I write to you fathers. It's interesting. He starts with children, and he goes to fathers. It seems like he would start with fathers out of respect, but he has an intent in mind. He wants us to know this uh, word technion uh, in the plural here is saying that, that we are very small, little, little babies who may not even recognize um, who our parents are. We know that there's somebody special because they're there every day. And then he says, I write to you fathers, uh, you parents, because you have known him who is from the beginning. So uh, John says that you have known uh, Jesus. You have known the Father through Jesus. Now, now I, I think sometimes we hear things over and over, and we don't realize how deep they are. You and I know eternity, eternity through Jesus the Son. And we are touched by it through Jesus the Son. That's big for me, you know, and that, that Jesus has brought us very near to, uh, as, it, as it were, close proximity to God the Father. And then he says, I write to you young men. It's a Greek word, neoniskos, uh, neoniskos. And that word just means that there are young people under 40 years old, like a young person under 40. That is, you're strong and you, you, you have a, a lot of vigor. I write to you young men, and that means you young women as well, because you have overcome the wicked one. 
So he's writing to them because there are attacks against the church and they are working through it. He's talking about the whole church here. I, I believe that's what he's talking about, the whole church, not just one or two. He's talking about us here, even now. You young people, he's speaking of the vigor that we have and that you have. You have overcome the wicked one. That is the wicked one who has tried to upset your walk with God, who has tried to uh, upend you, cause great issues and problems for you. He says, you've overcome the wicked one. And then he writes again, he says, I write to you little children. Seems sort of uh, repetitious, but it's not because there's a, there's a different Greek word. It's paedion or paedion. It means a boy or girl that's half grown, so to speak. You're, you're not a little baby, but you've grown up. He says, I'm writing to, uh, I write to you little children because you have known the Father. The first time he says your sins are forgiven, but now I write to you because you also have known the Father. You've grown up, and now you can recognize God's hand in your life. There are many of us here, we've had to go through difficulty in order to recognize God's hand in our life. I used to pray against all problems and, and, and troubles. I mean, I, I, I will do it again, but I used to do it quite often against this. I, I didn't want any trouble, any problem, but it is uh, problems are uh, that have driven me to the Lord. It was my problems. It was my difficulties. It was the things I could not handle that drew me or drove me really to the Lord. Then he writes again. He says, um, I have written to you fathers. He's speaking of earthly fathers, those of us who are parents here, because, and not just natural parents, but spiritual parents, because you have known him who is from the beginning. You have known him who is from the beginning. He reiterates, you have known him who is from the beginning. So you and I have a fellowship now with God the Father. Whenever you go into your prayer closet and you're talking to God, that you are having fellowship with God the Father. You, you, you have the same interest as God the Father. You, are, you share your thoughts and your, uh, with God the Father, and he shares his thoughts and plans with you. That's a big thing. That's not a little thing. That's big. And so don't come out of the closet sharing with God, fellowshipping with God, uh, uh, interacting with God, and then come out like problems are bigger than the one you just fellowshiped with. You know, we do that. We do that. We do that. Let's stop doing that. So John is, is showing us, this is so good. So it's so good. He loves us and he wants us to grasp this reality. He wants us to walk in this amazing reality. We have known him who is from the beginning. So, there, so when John writes this, he, he writes in such a way that he uses uh, sometimes Jesus and the Father synonymously. So he's talking about Jesus, and you, th you may think he's talking about the Father. He's talking about the Father, and you think he's talking about Jesus because they are one. They're one in this regard. They're one in essence. Yes, Jesus was born. God the Father was never born. So, so, so they are two, but yet they are one. Are you with me? I have written to you young men, again, under 40 age, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. So he says, I'm, I'm writing to all of you because now uh, the word of God has come to you and, and it has come to dwell in you, to live in you, to stay in you, and you are strong as a result of that. He says, I'm writing to you because you are strong. 
and you have overcome the wicked one. You are not strong in and of yourself. You are not strong because what is in your head. You are strong because of who is in your heart. And that's what he wants you to know. Jesus is your strength. Your strength is not stubbornness, you know, or even the natural tenacity. Your strength is a person called Jesus. And, uh, but, but now after having said that, uh, John says, he sort of, he, he, he uh, implies, but there are dangers. And, and then, I mean, that, that is the implication. All of that is so true. Now remember, one truth does not one truth does not negate another. And so we know now that, that these things are true of you. You're strong. You've won many battles against the enemy. You are connected with, with uh, God the Father through God the Son. You have known him who is from the beginning, who lives in unapproachable light. He says, but they're dangerous. Therefore, there are three things. Do not love the world. Because the world is good at enticing us, because we are the ones who are not of the world, but it's good at, at putting bait out there for us. He says, so do not love the world. The second thing, uh, he says, beware of deception. And the third thing, he says, let the truth abide in you. So those are three things he says that you are to be on guard, and, and you will be on guard against uh, uh, deception or the world system that is always trying to ensnare you. It's always trying to ensnare you. And he'll give some good point, pointers here. So he says, before, uh, before I read verse 15, uh, John is saying uh, that this world system is hostile to God. I, I wanted to drive that point home, uh, that it is hostile to God. There are believers, you know some of them, one or two of you might be one of them. But they are too friendly with the world. I used to wonder why the world didn't like me. Anybody like me? You can raise your hand if you like a little bit. I used to wonder, why, why don't they like me? I, I felt like, oh, oh, Fredo, I'm, I'm a nice person, you know. Fredo, Fredo says, I'm smart, you know. But I, I would wonder why, why? And I really wanted everybody to like me. But that world system is hostile to God. And you have to know that. And don't hear it right now and go out and not know that this afternoon or, or tomorrow morning when you listen to the morning news. Don't forget that the world system is hostile to God. Okay? One thing I will never do, and I will never lie to you. So John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So if you really like that system, you're really enamored with that system, you're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. We, 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 if we had more time in the second service, we'll have more time to talk about it. In, in Romans 12, two, uh, Paul says, and do not be conformed to this world or this age, this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So wh how, wh what does he mean that you may prove? Don't, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world 
shape you uh, into its mold. Why? So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. So what does that mean? It means that you should show in your person beyond doubt what is good and acceptable to God. Amen. You should show beyond doubt. You should be the evidence of what God is saying here. So there's some of us who are trapped by the world system. We're trying to shore it up. You know, honestly, when you do that, you're working against God. You know what, what people say to me? They say, but what, I'm, I gotta be a good citizen. You have to be a good son. Amen. <laughs> you know, that's what you, what are you thinking about being a good son, right? I say that to the women and the men, but a good image bearer. Be a good son and you'll be a good citizen. Be a good citizen, you may not be a good son. All right. So, so Galatians 1, 3 and 4 also speak to this. It's amazing how the scripture, I'm calling up witnesses in Romans 12, 2 as a witness. I'm not going to call Galatians 1, 3 and 4 as a witness to what I've said to you. He says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. That's, that's big. That he might deliver us from what? This present evil age. He gave himself so he would deliver us from this present evil age. According to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Jesus died to deliver you from it. So don't keep going into it. Don't find it appealing. Don't find it wonderful and acceptable. Wow. I didn't know John was so heavy. I didn't know that first John walked like this. Look at what Matthew 6, 24 says. No one can serve two masters. Whoa. So as believers, we have to be careful, and especially being believers in an affluent nation. Affluent nation, very wealthy. The wealthiest nation on the planet. The wealthiest nation in the history of mankind. You can't exult in that. Well, we're the, the, the wealthiest nation in the history of mankind. Wow. You better be wealthy in Jesus. Because this world is passing away. And all this in it. Are you hearing me? Saints of God, do you hear? Wow. He says no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now mammon is from the Greek word uh, mammon. Mammonas, mammonas. It means confidence in wealth. Confidence in wealth. Or you have deified the dollar. I'm speaking to Americans. You have de deified the dollar, or you have deified the, the euro, or you have, you have deified the peso. You, you, you know, the, that, that's where, where your, all your affection is. No, so he says, he says, no, no, you have to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in verse 16, he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Now, this is what's in the world. This world that we're trying to preserve. This world that we're trying to shore up. We're trying to prop up. Even believers. Now, I'm not saying have a fatalistic attitude. Oh, well, I just won't do anything. I won't go and vote. I won't pray. No. No, it's wrong. You have to find balance. And the balance is in the Lord. The balance is not given to you by the world. 
It's not given to you by the talking heads on TV. No, that's not where you get your information. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I hardly sometimes don't even, don't even don't want to listen to them as to what happens. I read most of my news. And I just deleted one of them. I just deleted one of my news sources because I thought, I am tired of you trying to propagandize me. I'm a man of God. You're trying to, and trying to propagandize all these innocent people. I just got rid of them. <laughs> deleted them. Amen. Well, deleted them. Deleted them. Maybe I'll tell you a little bit more if, if I have an opportunity to tell you just why. They were, they're pushing certain agendas that are just ungodly. So all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, okay, body cravings, uh, we know what that means? Do I have to be more specific? They said, no, please don't. They, 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 these over here want to hear it. Que lastima. Que vergüenza. Okay, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Okay, everything you see, you want. Everything you see, you want. Somebody has a nicer car. I want one. A, a bigger house. You can't, somebody's going to always have a bigger house. I want it. They got, oh, I want furniture like that. I want shoes like that. You know? Lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He says, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So those things are not of the Father, but they're of the world. Wow. So some of the things that we have really, really desired are not from God. John is telling us that. He's telling us how to, to stay in the place where God has called us and how to not uh, be uh, susceptible to error. Wow. Wow, John. Didn't know you were so tough, John. He says in verse 17, and the world, listen, is passing away and the lust of it. So John says to us that the world is passing away. So if, 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 if this thing here called the world is passing away and this thing called the kingdom of God is unshakable, immovable, what, what, which one am I going to lay hold of? Come on, some of us are laying hold of what's passing away. I mean, I'm, I'm stupefied. I didn't say I was stupid. I'm stupefied. I'm stupefied. I'm dumbfounded. Why? You have no obligation to that. You have no obligation to that system that opposes God. Why do we have to preach to Christians to be loyal and faithful to the kingdom of God? Wow. Why? Maybe we have interest in that world system. Maybe we've been investing in that world system. I use the world system, but I don't misuse it. And the admonition to the saints of God is that we use it, but not misuse it. Yeah, when you're holding on to it, you're misusing it. Now he says, and the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Uh, I mean, I love that. Uh, it, it abides forever. You see, the world has a false outlook of what's important. That stuff is seen. It, the world says, okay, this is what's important. But God says, no. There's a, a verse in Ecclesiastes 5, 10, and 11 says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. 
nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? He says it's all deception. It's all craziness. Wow, what do you think? I'm going to a couple, three more, and, and we'll, we'll pray. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. He tells us the Word of God that is in you lives and abides forever. Then he gives you a, a, a more graphic understanding. He says, all flesh, all human beings, is as grass, and all the glory of man, all the things that man builds, everything that man does outside of Christ, all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, he says, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And then Peter says, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And so John tells us, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. This is why we do what we do. Because of the truth, it's the truth that abides in us. The truth lives in us. The truth dwells in us. So don't worry about it. The truth dwells in, in us. We, we will be forever of the truth. This is what John wants us to understand. So love not the world, ne neither the things that are in the world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, we'll talk about deception next time. Deception. Staying away from deception. How to recognize it. And knowing that this is the last hour. I, I just want to thank you. I know we, we hurried through this message. But if you heard it today, and you were really listening, and you were convicted uh, you're, that you're aware that you're a sinner, you're aware that you need God, and you need Jesus Christ, you just hurt this little bit. If you feel anything in you, moving in you, other than let me get out of here. If that, if that, if that, that would be the devil. But if you are feeling like, wow, I could be better, that's the Holy Spirit who has been sent into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And he has sent the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. When he got to the throne of God, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been in the earth ever since. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to come to you. He's God. He's already there. Knocking on the heart, your heart's door. Ready to change you, make you better. Cause you to be stronger. Cause you to be even better than resilient. Cause, giving you faith that's greater than tenacity. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. If that is you today, and you want to come to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand and let me see it. Leave it up until I see it. If you're here, you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus, Pastor. I don't want to try this life 
alone anymore. It's not you, anyone here. It's not you. Sometimes when I was younger, I, I would try to make up my mind. Of course, I, I, was, I grew up in a church where they preached such hellfire and brimstone. I thought if I chewed gum wrongly, I, I had to get saved the next week. Yeah, they, they, I always say they scared the whatever out of me. But I don't want to do that. Now, is there anybody here, before we, go, we close it, is there anyone here who would say, Pastor, I, I need to be clearer on some of these things you've shared. I, I, I find that I'm always trying to prop up something. I'm trying to defend something in the world. I know you're there. I've been there. My side against their side. But if that's you, you just need to slip up your hand and let God see you. Just slip up and say, Lord, Lord, that's me. I, I, I've, I've latched on to some of this stuff. And, and this stuff now has latched on to me. Thank you, sir. My hand, my hand goes up because of what I used to do. I, I'm, I'm delivered from it. It's like a skunk. If a skunk sprays you, you don't have to tell anybody. Sometimes we reek. We reek, man. We reek from the world. You're not proven. You're not a clear picture of what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You smell like the world. Been sprayed by the skunk. But I pray for you. Lord, I pray for those because they didn't raise their hand. They're saying, I'm totally out of the world. I have no interest there. And Lord, if that is not so, I pray you would convict them from this moment until they get home, until they go to bed tonight, until they repent. Many of us have joined the world in its folly. I pray that we would not do it any longer. Many of us don't cry for the victims. We don't even shake our head for very long of the violence that is in our land. I pray for this house that we would be totally different, that we would be kingdom people from beginning to end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We're going to receive communion, and I would like for you... Now, parents, those of you who, who are saved, maybe if your children aren't saved, whether they're grown or not grown, this is for those who have given faith to Je and placed their faith in Jesus. Uh, Paul teaches us that, that we should regard this sacred time of our service. He tells us that we should not eat and drink this in an unworthy manner. That is, we live any kind of way, and, but we still take communion. He says we should not do that because when we do that, we we drink damnation or we're judged we don't want to be judged 
we don't want to be judged. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And Paul goes on to give a warning. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And then Paul says something that's very troubling. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, or many have died, because they did not discern the Lord's body. Wow, that's amazing. And he says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So it means that the Lord will chasten us if we live raggedy lives, just to know we live in raggedy. I'm not talking about weakness. You know, everybody here is weak in some way or the other. Everybody in one way or the other. But we are gaining strength. There's a difference in being weak and being wicked. And he says that, that they, are con they are judged. But this is why God judges people. This is why he takes them out of the world. So that they will not be condemned with the world. You will never be condemned with the world. Wow. Thank you for the cross. Amen.